And I think that's why like community is so big in all of this work that we're doing. When you see someone else that looks like you or represents you talk about the power of coaching or being emotionally intelligent or training their mental fitness, when you see that all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, like maybe I can do that too. But until you see that, that stigma will always be there. What's up, Badass Asian Dudes? This is The Bad Podcast. My name is Victor Ong, host of the Human Up Podcast, as well as co-host of this one with my co-host, Sabo. You want to say hi? Hey, what's up, everybody? Super happy. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on one of these podcasts, and I've been feeling a little bit of the podcast deficiency, but you know what? I knew that Johnny Chen was joining today, and I know last week it was a little bit crowded, so I was like, this week, Johnny Chen's here. I got to make sure I'm here, so super happy to be here, Victor, and thank you very much for inviting me and getting um, Johnny onto the show. Yes, I am so excited to have Johnny come on. We've been uh, exchanging, you know, messages here and there uh, for the past few months now and really resonated with his mission and what you're building. So, Johnny, you want to say hi real quick and maybe quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, Victor, Sebo, it's good to see you both. Um, I've been impressed by the community that you guys have built and I've got to know Victor quite well over the last few weeks. So I'm super excited to be here and chat with you guys. Um, a little bit of background on me. I'm founding a company called Sale, which is a coaching community that empowers men to be more vulnerable. And so I'm super excited to chat all things men's wellness, uh, vulnerability, no vulnerab- uh, vulnerability, and how that affects us on a daily basis. So I'm excited to be here. I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big core aspect of the, uh, the Badass Asian Jews mission as well as we are moving this community forward too, in that there's a lot of internal work to do as not just men, but as humans, as human beings and finding our, our place, our role, um, our understanding of what it means to be a Badass Asian dude and a human um, and I know for me, I would have loved to have this type of conversation and community before, um, because without it, I actually like was very, um, I'd say skeptical or like, you know, what's the other word kind of just pushing away a lot of this idea of being vulnerable or sensitive or whatnot. And I think actually stemming from a lot of, you know, previous role models who, <clears throat> had the traditional sort of man up behavior and like, don't cry and, and whatnot. So um, super interested to have you on this podcast to talk more about that. I guess I'm really curious to start us off here. What does being a badass Asian dude mean to you? That's a great question. Uh, I think as a culture, at least for Asian Americans, uh, for men, especially, we struggle a lot with relating to our parents. We struggle a lot with growing up in a society that is different than our culture. And for many of us, we also struggle with this generational gap where a lot of our parents grew up in Asia, but a lot of us grew up in America. And so not only are we dealing with a cultural difference, but also a generational difference as well. And because of that, I think it's affected a lot of how we show up in the world and how we show emotions and how we relate to others. And so when I think about being a badass Asian dude, I think about like, how do we 
how do those emotions and feelings manifest in us? And how does that turn into our actions and our daily lives? Um, and I think one thing that stands out to me, especially these days is for someone to be a badass, it means they're vulnerable. It means they're willing to admit when they're right or when they're wrong. And it really, it, it means that they're willing to be in tunes with their emotions uh, and show up that way. I think uh, humility is knowing what to, how to react when you're right. Uh, but uh, vulnerability is knowing how to react when you're right and also when you're wrong. Hmm. Um, and I think that's a huge difference that a lot of us still struggle with. Uh, but I see a lot of that in this community and I'm excited to really explore this work with this community. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Um, was there something that like drew you to start all of this work then? Like what kind of started that process for you to look more inward and really understand your emotions and be, be vulnerable? Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is what we call the origin story, you know, kind of like when Peter Parker got bit by the radioactive spider and became <laughs> Spider-Man. So, and you know, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you yeah. know, when I first saw your post for sale, you know, I was like, whoa, you know, this is something that's like, it was really kind of like something that was, uh, you know, something that I was like thinking about in my head, you know, like if a group like this really existed, how cool that would be. And then, you know, I would say probably days later, I saw your post in Badass Asian Dudes. And I think, you know, I had recommended like Victor and Rob be two guys that you talked about. And I think I saw Rob's photo on oh, your website you. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm super excited to hear about your origin story. And again, apologies for cutting you off. No, no worries at all. Um, if you had told me even a year ago that I would be starting a male vulnerability company, I would have told you you're out of your mind. <laughs> I, I think it kind of naturally fell into place for me and something I grew into. And I kind of just followed the path and I'm seeing where it takes me. But to take a step back, I, to go way back, I have an older brother who's three years older than me. We're close, not super close uh, growing up, but I've always looked up to him uh, because he took a very contrarian path in his life. So he did a few years of engineering at Berkeley, then dropped out to become an online professional poker player. Uh, he did that for about 10 years, got really good at online poker playing, then expanded into Bitcoin mining, uh, day trading, sports betting, whatever he could do to not work for someone else. <laughs> and it was inspirational for me because it was such a different path to what we knew, right? In our culture, we're known to be doctors, engineers, lawyers, et cetera. And he's like, screw that. I'm going to choose my own path. Uh, and it very much instilled that entrepreneurial spirit in me at a very early age. But I never took the leap of faith myself until this past year when all of a sudden my brother has de uh, developed a very severe case of schizophrenia, which uh, as many of you know, is the most serious mental illness uh, and has caused a lot of trauma on myself and my family because of physical violence, hospitals, uh, courtrooms, restraining orders, all of the above. And it's probably the toughest year in the last few years of my life to see someone that was such on such a great path all of a sudden be hit by this hurdle uh, and the way it's impacted my parents, especially. Um, 
And the worst part of it all is he actually doesn't think he has an issue. Um, and it's a very common symptom of schizophrenia, but he doesn't think he has a problem. He thinks we're the problem. And so it's very hard to help someone who doesn't want to seek help. So I was inspired by that to talk to other guys and just look at men's mental health overall and look at why it's so much harder for guys to open up and seek help. And to your point, Victor, I think a lot of it is how we're conditioned growing up. We're conditioned to man up. You're not man enough. You hit like a girl. Boys don't cry. Just all very toxic gender norm statements that have had detrimental effects on us. Uh, and that's why like suicide rates are four times higher for men. Alcohol abuse, drug abuse, violence, domestic violence, everything is worse off for men. Um, and so from all that, I was inspired to like build something in this space and change the conversation around male vulnerability. Hmm. I mean, I very much appreciate you going into this work and especially, you know, with, with someone that looks like us, right? Like having an Asian face to, to be open to talk about mental health like this, I think is, is super powerful. So I'm, I'm just here to say I'm excited for where that goes. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And you know, you know, what I'm curious about is, you know, like, um, I, I had, I had seen Victor's notes. So I knew part of your origin story had to do with your brother. Mm -hmm. But you know, what I'm really curious about is, you know, as you were discovering more of these things to help your brother and to help other men, you know, did you discover any blockages that you had within yourself with emotional growth? Yes. Absolutely. It's a journey that I'm personally very much still on. And I actually always associate with the metaphor of when, when it comes to physical fitness, we spend so many hours in a gym or workout class. And it's something we keep doing month over month because you have to continue to train your muscles. So why is it that when it comes to your mental muscles and your emotional muscles, we often think that we can do it once and be done with it, right? This is something that we also need to continue to practice and continue to hone in and optimize over time. And so for me, it's very much a journey to figure out like, how can I show up more emotionally? And when I tell the story with my brother, oftentimes I wish I was more emotional. Like I wanna be, I wanna allow myself to really just sit with the fact that my brother's been in and out of hospitals and courtrooms and all this crazy stuff and just let it out. But I'm still conditioned uh, by all the years of just holding that in, that oftentimes I still struggle to allow that to show up and really, really be vulnerable in that way. Yeah. Was there, yeah. what, did you have any particular moments then that maybe you, I guess, just more like kind of a deeper emotion that was felt and you didn't really know how to deal with because of, because of this conditioning that you might've had. Yeah. Um, it's really learning to allow myself to cry and sit with the discomfort. Uh, and I think I've done a good job versus, uh, when I was younger, but I, I want to, when, when those feelings come up, I want to let it out and let it sit. Um, and it's hard. It's not a natural human response. It's not an emotional people yeah. naturally adhere to. 
Um, but when it comes up, I just wish like I would allow it out more and just like sit with that almost like somatic embodiment of it and just let that rest show up in the different areas of my body that I wish it does. Um, I have noticed too, oftentimes when I am doing embodiment meditation or work, I struggle to pinpoint where in my physical body um, stress or tension um, show up. And I don't know if that's something that you guys deal with as well, but like, I would love to be able to say like, hey, this is like affecting my shoulders and it's a lot more tight or I'm feeling tension in my forearms. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes my left brain uh, is, is, I'm stuck in that and stuck in analyzing and the logical side of things. And uh, it's a process to try to transition more towards my physical embodiment of it. No, and that's- hey, you a, know, I had- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, Victor. So, you know, this is, it, it's interesting because You know, I too also have parts of me where my body is telling me one thing and my mind is, is telling me something else. And there's, there's a conflict there between what my heart wants to do and what my mind wants to do. And it sounds a little bit like of what you were describing, how your left brain keeps taking over. You know, I I was curious, what, what did you do before you started doing sale? Um, What was your occupation? Highly analytical. (laughs) Um, so I've been in the startup world for about seven years now, um, doing consumer product and growth for a range of consumer products. So I help them think through how to grow the product, how to think about unit economics and how to build the best onboarding experiences and run the best AB tests to drive towards those, uh, monetization metrics. But it was very much like data driven experimentation, running growth processes, uh, and much less of the creative side of things. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, when I was hearing that kind of disconnect between what your heart and mind wanted, you know, it, it's interesting because I think of like a lot of knowledge workers and we're rewarded for being strategic, for being in our head, for running all these like scenarios about, you know, these what if scenarios, yeah. if I did A, this is what happens. If I did B, this is what happens. If I did C, this is what happens. And I feel like the longer we do those things where we're in our head and the more we get rewarded from it, the more we get detached from the somatic feelings that our body's communicating to us. Yeah. And that's, again, goes back to like years and years of training, uh, of conditioning rather. Uh, We're just conditioned to think, like you said, the what if analysis, like what would happen and always thinking about the future, but not necessarily the present and what's happening now. So it's, uh, it's a mental challenge to learn how to shift more towards the present. Actually, I'm curious too now, like what, what is, what ha- what kinds of changes or benefits or results in a way have you seen now doing this work going into this to develop more of a connection with your body and the somatic experiences? Interestingly enough, it, how it shows up positively is external. It shows up with how I'm able to better connect with people. Um, and we've been in this quarantine world for about six months. Uh, and a lot of the conversations I have, 90, 95% are on Zoom. Um, but I'm surprised by the level of depth and vulnerability I'm able to achieve just from a conversation on Zoom. Um, there's been incidents where me or the other person have teared up or shown a lot of emotion because we're opening up about trauma and childhood abuse or Mm. divorces or a death of a family member with cancer 
And that's not easy for that to show up on Zoom. Yeah. But I think when you are, the more connected you are with yourself, the more connected you'll be able to be with other people. And that's what's, that's the big notice, big change I've seen in the last few months. You know, I think that's one of the best takeaways um, someone could take from listening to this podcast, you know, like um, e even uh, the badass Asian dudes, you know, it's me, Victor, uh, three other admins, uh, Brandon, uh, Nick and Mike. And, you know, only a handful of us has ever met in person. You know, all of our relationship is through Zoom. And you're right, you know, the ability to know yourself, uh, the ability to be vulnerable, it exponentially increases the uh, capacity and potential for you to connect with someone more strongly online. And um, I don't want to make this a commercial about all the different things that Victor and I are involved with. But, you know, every Friday we do something called Flow Masters, which is um, freestyling over lo-fi and hip hop beats as a way to help you express your true authentic self. And on a weekly basis, you know, whether you're a really good freestyler or not, as long as you're able to express your authentic truth, um, you know, it resonates with people. Um, I'm routinely crying on these calls. And, you know, it shocks my wife because, you know, probably up until the last year or so, she's maybe seen me cry twice, you know, at the birth of our children. Oh. And here she sees me like rapping with other people and then crying at the same time. And she's kind of like boggled by like what's going on. And when I explained to her that we're tapping into our deeper selves through the art of spoken word or freestyle over music, it kind of blows her mind that we're thinking of these new ways to tap into each other. And yeah, I very much see um, sale as kind of like an evolution of these types of interactions that we're having digitally and ultimately what we can do to improve and help this world by making people more whole with themselves, more able to love themselves and therefore being able to give more of themselves to others. It reminds me of uh, one of our current investors, Eric Tornberg. Uh, he runs Village Global and On Deck. He is by far one of the best freestyle rappers I have ever heard. Uh, you guys should connect. I can connect you offline, but there's just something so powerful to, yeah, kind of like what you're doing, just letting it flow and <laughs> seeing what shows up. Yeah, and, and that's exactly why, like, even if it's not freestyle rapping, not everybody has to do that as an outlet to find your own, right? Um, to find that avenue where you can express something that is honest and, and true to you. Um, and to find the right people and environment to do that. I think that's what's missing for a lot of men, like, and just humans in general, really, but mostly men for, you know, being their authentic self, right? And, um, and so it's cool that, you know, that you're providing this platform for people who would resonate with that and, and be able to actually move something forward. I guess maybe tell us more about what sale is and how you kind of facilitate that process yeah. and help help men open up. Yeah, so SAIL, we put on uh, and offer immersive programs with expert coaches on topics like leadership, relationships, and emotional intelligence. And in a way you can think of as, as Peloton for your mind. Uh, we have an active training model to help you train your mental muscles with the guidance of a coach and a peer support group. Um, so what that means is we're currently putting on four-week coaching programs 
led by one coach with nine other guys, you're meeting together weekly on Zoom and you're working through specific skills that will help you get better at something. Um, so an example of that is one of the programs is put on by a guy named Norman Tran. Uh, he is an expert facilitator. He used to facilitate uh, Stanford's famous touchy-feely class at their MBA school. Uh, so he's been piloting a program that's his version of that class with us, with the sale team. And it's very much, it's called relational intelligence and it's learning how to relate with others better. And it's skills like mirroring. Uh, when you hear someone say something, the simplest thing you can do is just say it back and stop. And when that happens, it let the other person feel like they're being heard. And that already establishes a level of connection just simply by repeating the exact same words or close to it back to them. Uh, another skill we're learning is called gentle inquiry, where if someone is opening up about something or they're struggling with something, you simply just ask a simple question to dig further. And generally what or how questions work better versus why. So an example would be like, what do you think about that? Or how might that impact you? Or how does that show up for you? I think are easier questions for someone to interpret versus why questions like, why did you do that? Or why are you this way? Those feel very targeted and accusatory. Uh, and so when we learn these skills in a group setting, the coach teaches the skills, we then go into one-on-one -on -one breakouts, people practice them. And then the best part of it all is we have weekly challenges for all of our members to practice those skill sets in their daily lives. Because that's where really the value is when you take a skill and actually put it into your daily lives in your relationship with coworkers, with your partners, with family members, et cetera. Um, and I've just been surprised and profounded by the amount of vulnerability that people open up in these sessions. I mean, these are 10 strangers that have never met before from somewhere across the country or world that get together and talk about vulnerability. Like that's not a normal thing for them. Yeah. Uh, but we've heard stories about people struggle with anger towards their dad or coming out to their parents or going through a divorce and how they're dealing with that and how that shows up vulnerably for them. And so what we're doing now is building a community around this uh, and really having men get together and talk to each other on our Slack community about these topics. You know, one part of what we offer is coaching programs. But a bigger part of what we're going to offer as well is a community where you can meet other like-minded men and go through this together. <clears throat> yeah. Oh man, that was really cool, Johnny. And you know, I, I had a question and I, I know it's not your curriculum, so maybe um, you won't be able to answer, but you know, in most marketing classes, you know, they teach about like, um, they talk about the how and the what, and those are important, but they always say in order for someone to take action, you have to get to the why. So what you just said kind of sounded like the inverse, you know, where you want to frame the questions with the how or the what and stay away from the why. And I was curious, like, you know, why do marketers go for the why? And then in this scenario, we're kind of avoiding the why. Yeah, I, I don't know that in this scenario, we're necessarily avoiding the why. I think the framing is different in the sense that in a one-on-one -on -one coaching relationship, or really in any relationship, you want the other person to get to the why, but you want, you have to have them do it on their own. It is their job to find their why on their own. 
and find where their issues are and how to work on them themselves. A coach's job isn't to come in and say like, hey, we're going to fix X, Y, and Z. That's more of a consultant or an employee. A coach's job is to help you find your own solutions to your own problems or issues. And so the what and how questions will help lead the person to eventually get to their own why. But it is not the recipient's person to get them to their why. And that's, I think that's where the hard part is. It's like, how do you ask the right what or how questions to get them there? And that's something that takes practice, which is why we're putting on this program so that we can actually really put these into scale, into use. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and I can also comment on that too, as, as a coach where it's, um, you know, like, like Johnny was mentioning, asking the why does create more of a accusatory sort of feel to it, even if with the best intentions you can have with the why, right? There's still something subtle about having to come up with a reason then to like explain, to, to provide back. And so it creates a sort of a defensiveness in that barrier to then dive deeper. And so asking the what and the how really brings awareness to the context of the situation and maybe all the different circumstances or different um, sort of, you know, more, uh, I guess, in a way, a tangible sort of thing to really look at all of what's happening in the 360 view. Yeah. Um, and I think to that comment with marketing, I feel like, you know, there that I think that's their way to say, again, it's up to you to go find that why for yourself. So they'll probably say like, you know, Simon Sinek, start with why, right? Like I love that talk as well. I, I do think it's important to start from that core. Um, but like Johnny was saying, it's really important to find that on our own um, and not have that be like almost projected onto us or, or like, um, you know, pushed onto us somehow. Yeah. And, and, and oh, go ahead, Johnny. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. It's, and it's tough. Like I've been trying to practice this with my mom. Right. Um, and helping her develop these skill sets so that when she talks to my brother, it's not about like, you need to take treatment. Why haven't you done it yet? Why aren't you going to the hospital? But just focus on what's going on for him today. And it's a challenge. When it comes to family, it's a different dynamic. Because your parents are oh, yeah. always trying oh, to help yeah. you and they're always giving advice. Uh, and the worst part, I think, in a coaching relationship is you're always giving advice. You really should just be listening and then mirroring that back to them. And so I think like, depending on the relationship, there are some where it's gonna be harder than others. Uh, but I do think this type of mindset and framework can be applicable to every relationship. Yeah, and, and I'm curious, and either of you could answer this question, is that I totally agree with you and I could understand why when you ask, like, why did you do this? Or why did you make this choice? Like it can get people to be more defensive and kind of like throw them off now. You know, I teach martial arts as well, and there's a certain way I teach white belts, and then there's a certain way that I teach higher belts. So if the individual is, let's just say, a bit more emotionally intelligent and doesn't get triggered by the why questions, would those be effective in those situations, or would you still want to be using the how and the what? Victor, I feel like you could take this on. You're an, you're an active coach. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely learning this a lot right now. I'm actually going through 
the training program. And I think really there's for every why question, there's always a better what question. So, um, you know, I, of course it, it it's not going to be black and white. Like I think it is very dependent on the relationship you have. Maybe again, like you're mentioning the emotional intelligence that they might already have whatnot. Um, but there is something more powerful to asking a what question that raises awareness from other points of views rather than a why that tries to, that seems almost like direct into a, you know, a certain outcome, if that makes sense. Right. Like if asking a what you like, Oh, actually maybe there are these other things around that, you know, help contribute to yeah. my behaviors or my way of thinking. And just that. to be honest with the two of you, I'm just playing a little bit of devil's advocate here because I know that the three of us in this room, like when we're communicating this way, we completely understand what we're talking about, but I'm also being cognizant of some of our listeners that, you know, are wanting to work on emotional intelligence and want to level up in this area that might think of these concepts as very like ethereal and just like, you know, what are the, the, yeah. the how, the what, the why, like, what do these guys mean? So I was actually trying to get down to like, if you could give like a concrete, concrete example so that our listeners could kind of like, instead of kind of like thinking about this amorphous theory or concept, you know, it's like, all right, here's some concrete examples of like when someone asks a why versus a how and a what and how it affects like their ability to see their situation a bit more, more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to comment on that too, I think it is important to be able to experience this for yourself. We can always talk about all these like high level concepts of what is supposed to work and all these theories, but this is exactly why coaches are here to provide that experience to provide that space. And so it's, it's diving into a community like sale and, you know, working with a coach and, and really, practicing that as as an experience and you don't necessarily need to know all of these like tactics or tricks or whatnot but um after experiencing it it's it's really powerful um i i don't know if there's a way to really provide that experience now other than to like maybe coach us like each other live right now but uh I, yeah i mean we can i think that'd be kind of cool <laughs> yeah I mean, I guess maybe one one question, right? It's like, just just off the top of my head, like why, uh, let's see, why do you have this passion or why do you care about this? Maybe I can ask Johnny, like, why do you care about sale? Why do you care about, um, you know, creating this company? Why do you care about men's emotional health? You know, maybe you can start to think of your answers there. Let's see, I'm trying to think how, on the fly how to make this experience really. How about... Try answering that first. Try answering the why, and then I'll, I'll ask a what question and see what difference comes um, Yeah, why do I care about emotional awareness and intelligence? Because I think if we help men be more vulnerable, we solve a lot of the world's problems. We'll get closer to gender equality. We'll improve our relationships with women in our lives. Uh, we'll have lower suicide rates and drug abuse and alcohol abuse rates because you're catching them early on before they slip down that slippery road. Um, and I think we'll get, yeah, we'll, we'll allow men to finally be in tune with what is going on with themselves and with the world. And that'll improve their relationships, our relationships with, uh, with everyone else in the world. And to me, that's possibly the greatest mission I could be working on in my life. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, again, express gratitude for you to be on this mission too, to provide the service. And so I think those are really great answers. Those are, you know, great reasons. Now, if I were to ask, what is driving you to create this? Um, what what factors have drove you to, to be in this position? How would you answer that? The first thing that came to mind is that I'm building something that is a dedication to the legacy that my brother left behind. Uh, and, he, and he's still around, but it's a different relationship now than the brother that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can feel myself getting a little emotional because it's like, mm-hmm. it's personal. It's very personal and it's deep to me. And I, he's taught me a lot about how to be an entrepreneur and how to think differently. And in many ways, I feel like the, with this company, it's my turn to give back to him and people like him around the world uh, and solve for something that has a world need, but also is personal to me. Thank you. Yeah. Dude, dude. Okay. So for those listening, now you know the difference between why and how and what. I mean, the difference in answers was so much more personal, so much deeper, you know, with the what question. And, you know, I thought the why answers were very good too. I was like, how is he going to beat this why answer? You know, I was like, how is Victor (laughs) going to, you know, take this? Yeah. But you know, like this is, I got goosebumps right now. You guys can't see, but like, I'm like tingly all over, like just watching Victor in action, just taking it on the fly. And you know what, this is why Victor, I'm always telling you, you're such an awesome coach. Thank you. Yeah. As I was answering the first answer, I was feeling pretty good about the answer. And I was like, how is Victor going to top this? And then he asked that question and it was instant. Just, I was like, there it is. Exactly. No, and yeah. uh, thank you for, for leaning in with that with me. I mean, I think there's, again, the, yeah, there's just something. Sometimes we, we don't need that explanation, right? And I think actually as men, it's really easy for us to say, oh, okay, what are, what, what is, what is the connection to this? How do we, you know, create this belief, like almost seeing is believing in that sense. Well, let's see, that's not the right way to put it. But like, Mm -hmm. we we just want to like, see an instant connection, direct connection to things, you know, and and sometimes we leave out the experience of it to really like, feel for it. So um, yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, showcasing that for us. Yeah, thank you for doing that. And I think that's why like community is so big in all of this work that we're doing. When you see someone else that looks like you or represents you talk about the power of coaching or being emotionally intelligent or training their mental fitness, when you see that all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, like maybe I can do that too. But until you see that, that stigma will always be there. And we're fortunate in that in America and California, we're part of that trend already. Uh, and we've had folks like Kevin Love from the Cavaliers and the ABA in the last few years pen a very well-written essay about his struggles with mental health and how it showed mm-hmm. up on the court. If you're a 16-year-old male in the middle of America and you look up to Kevin Love, but you've always thought of therapy as something that only sissies do, that's a mind-blowing yeah. moment for you. Because all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, Kevin Love goes to therapy and it's okay. And he's still successful. And I still look up to him. Maybe I should try therapy one day too. That changes the language. 
But until we see those folks, like it's going to take time. And so the more we can push that movement forward, the more we can get guys closer to this. I love it. I love it. And, and I think again, you know, this is, there's no shortage of spaces to, to find the help that works for you. Right. If, if therapy is not even that it, then there are other ways, right? There are that I think I like to really um, share the difference between therapy and coaching as well, where, you know, therapy is a lot of the processing of the past. It's, it's working with trauma. It's, it's bringing us back to functional baseline. And that is actually a big reason why so many, you know, uh, uh, you know, normally functioning people or even like high performance people might not think they need therapy, right? It's like, I'm good. Like, I don't need this, right? Um, the power in coaching comes in meeting you where you're at, assuming that there's nothing to fix per se, but that there's ways to accelerate your growth, ways yeah. to really, you know, uh, create clarity in your goals and be more future focused and actually how to get there. So, um, yeah, anyway, I just want to provide that because there, there's different ways of getting support. It doesn't have to just be talk therapy in a private room. It can be going out and joining a men's group. It can be, you know, uh, uh, creating a podcast. It could be starting, uh, you know, being more creative. It could be journaling by yourself. Like there's so many right. ways to find help. But at the core of it, it really is like being able to find help with other people to find yeah. that community. Yeah, so. and oftentimes you might need both. Uh, there are people yeah. that work with therapy and coaches at the same time. And the therapy helps them work through childhood and family trauma from the past. And the coach works them to help them accelerate to get to where they want to be. So exactly. the blend of both, I think, is really powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask a question that is a little bit a little bit different than what we've been talking about, but I've been wanting to ask this question since we started the podcast. So now is as good a time as any since we have 20 minutes left, which is, you know, I, I've done my fair share of fundraising as well. And, you know, I kind of understand, you know, what investors are looking for. Was it tough to raise capital to launch a company to focus on men's mental health? This is a great question. And one that I will continue to answer, I think, over the next few months. So we raised a small amount of capital from an accelerator program that we're a part of through Village Global. Uh, but I'll be actually raising a large amount of capital in around a month or two months time uh, and, and later this year in 2020. Uh, at a high level, from the few conversations I've had with founder friends and a few investors, mental health is actually one of the hottest spaces investors are looking at. Um, and I think that's only accelerated by COVID-19 and the need for mental health. As you see the talk space and every mental health therapy service out there, their numbers are skyrocketing because people were going through a loneliness epidemic as well. Mm -hmm. um, and on that, um, our oxytocin levels are lower. We're suffering from a deficit of oxytocin, which is the love hormone. And how we usually get it is from physical touch mm -hmm. and hugs even handshakes, but because we're deprived of it, all of a sudden we're all increased in stress and anxiety and all sorts of tension and anger. Yeah. And that's why there's been an increase in mental health services. Um, so investors are definitely looking at that. When it comes to men's mental health, I think it's even more interesting because it's newer. It's a little bit more unknown. 
and there's a stigma behind it. Um, how, how are you going to build a company that has a lot of stigma behind it? Uh, and how are you going to scale that effectively? And I personally draw inspiration from my former boss and team at my former startup, uh, went on to found the company Hims. Um, so they sell the men's hair loss and erectile dysfunction medication and a bunch of other products now, but they were one of the first to destigmatize a very traditionally sensitive topic around hair loss and ED. Um, and so a lot of the challenge ahead is creating a brand and creating a messaging and positioning that resonates well with men and with investors, um, and then building a community around that. Uh, that that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, um, offline, we were talking a little bit about psychedelics before we started this call. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, um, as I was fundraising, number one, is uh, I've had many investors ask me if I want to start a company in the psychedelic space, uh, mainly to deal with mental health. And I was like, wow, you know, this is the first time investors are reaching out to me versus me pitching them. And uh, before COVID started, I was actually raising some money for my current company and I went to meet an investor. And when I got there, he, he opened up a little tin like this and he opened it up and he gave me like a little capsule in the tin. And it looked exactly like this. And I was like, what is this? You know, and he goes, oh, it's a microdose of psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> and it was so bizarre that like, you know, this is the first time I met the guy. There was no issue for him to offer me more or less a, a illegal drug, you know, but it was all in the vein of improving mental health and feeling more comfortable with the things that you're doing and not feeling the doom and gloom. And I, I, I find it very fascinating that this is a very fast growing uh, place. And I do like like your niche of really helping men because as we all talked about, it is very um, stigmatized for us. And one of the things that I've been really pushing, especially with people like Kevin Love coming out, and they've been a lot of recent uh, athletes, especially in combat sports that have also been talking about mental health is that it takes way more courage to come out and talk about the things that are bothering you and to be vulnerable than it is to just suck it up and, and deal with that, that pain. And I hope that, you know, with things like you're doing things that we're doing and the aggregate help of these athletes that, you know, many young men look up to that we could really start, um, you know, killing the stigma and pushing forward this message. Cause like you, I, I believe the same things as you, which is if we improve the mental yeah. health, for everyone, everything gets better. It's not one thing gets better, everything gets yeah. better. Yeah, um, and I hear actually on a weekly basis now, uh, other folks exploring businesses or adventures with psychedelics. So it is the rising trend as well in terms of ex like transformational experiences and even therapy through psychedelics. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I we could, we could go on about so many things here. I think, uh, what I really take out of it, I guess maybe let's let's actually I'd be curious to, you know, connect with the the fourth chair here, right? Um, or third chair? Is that the phrase? Third chair, fourth, <laughs> whatever. We have three people here. So uh, but the audience, like someone who is listening, who um, maybe just haven't really, you know, had much of this experience or the language or the, um, you know, awareness that maybe they, they do need help or could benefit from getting help. Um, 
I guess what what would you say to those people or are are those people maybe not necessarily who you're going after but um I don't know I guess like how how would you how would you talk to someone who uh you know might be interested at least but not really sure where to go or what to do about seeking help yeah it's a good question um the first step is that interest so we are only um targeting folks that have some baseline level of awareness and interest in improving their mental performance um, because you have to have some level of interest going back to my issue with my brother you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped or isn't even aware that they would like to help be helped um, and so that's the first step so for everyone here that has an interest in wanting to explore like emotional intelligence work or male vulnerability work that's already a first step that's huge uh, then the second step is finding people who are already on that path but maybe further along and obviously uh, the first best first place to start is from your own network so if you have friends from facebook instagram in your life that are posting about a lot of this deep work already reach out and just chat with them for 30 minutes and hear about their experience um, and i think the more you hear from other folks again the more it destigmatizes what it actually means to work on your mental health and mental wellness um, and then the last part I would say is like find a community that if you resonate with, uh, if you think of yourself as a badass Asian dude, oh, join yeah. badass Asian dudes and be part of the podcasts and the meetups and all the events. Um, if you resonate with, uh, emotional intelligence or vulnerability or, uh, male men's groups, right? We have a community with sale that we just opened up last week where it's a Slack channel where anybody can come in and talk through specific issues and challenges around the things that are important to guys. So career, relationships, self-confidence, love, finances, productivity, health and uh, fitness. We have specific channels for those topics where anyone can come in and chat through whatever it is that's been on their mind. Um, but find a community and find other folks because it's 100% it's, it's always a group journey uh, and never a solo journey. Yeah. I love the, the phrase, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So that yeah, just that. really resonates so much with me. So I really appreciate you coming on Johnny. Um, Sable, do you have any last words or questions or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just a couple last words, which is, you know, there is a a theme that I've seen kind of with everyone that we've interviewed and even within ourselves, which is, you know, as Asian men, we were all kind of like lone wolves, like working on these things ourselves. And yeah, you know, whether we're teaming up for bad or we're teaming up for flow masters or we're teaming up for conscious cannabis courses, you know, like doing going together, definitely you go a lot further. And another one was just a plug for sale. You know, I've, I've actually been working with Rob Wang myself and he's, uh, we've done three sessions now and he's been very, very beneficial in helping me see some of my own limiting beliefs and why they're there and how to get rid of them. So I wanted to already just kind of plug you that, you know, one of the people that um, are one of your uh, coaches is a very good one. And for those that want to go check out sale, you know, like I already have experienced 
um, one of the coaches there and have 100% confidence that he is an effective and great coach. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, I would just add that the fact that you guys are creating this forum uh, is already a huge win uh, because you create this safe space and container where anyone can open up and find accountability partners or other folks on that journey with them. Um, so keep on pushing this and I'm, I'm going to root for you guys. We'll be rooting for you too, man. So thanks for, thanks for coming on. This has been such a cool conversation. Um, it's, it, you know, this really just fills me up every time I can, you know, have this type of conversation with people. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, where could people find sale? Yeah, it's a joinsail.co. And it's sail as in as a sailboat, S-A-I-L. Um, we're just launched a new website. You can uh, join our community for free. And then from there, I'm happy to chat with you one-on-one and help you get involved in our community. Perfect. Definitely take Johnny up on that. Um, and we'll link it in the show notes as well. But dude, thank you. Also, oh yeah, go for I'm it. Sorry. I would also add, if anyone wants to reach out uh, and chat one-on-one, -on -one, I'm happy to. My email is johnny at joinsale.co. Uh, so feel free to reach out with any questions. Yes. We'll uh, link those in the description and uh, definitely take advantage of it. Like don't procrastinate reaching out and, and seeking for help wherever you are. So, um, all right, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, and you know, I'll do my favorite part, Johnny, which is if anyone hears, or if you know any men that would really benefit from the things that Johnny talked about, please share this episode with them. If you love this episode, leave us a five-star review. That's going to help the algorithms push this podcast to the top. And thank you very much for listening to another episode. Victor, thanks for having me on. I love being on. Johnny, uh, man, I can't believe like this has only been a year-long journey for you. You talk like a very emotionally intelligent man. Uh, but this just shows you, you know, like if you put your mind and effort towards something, you know, like as you said, this is something that we should be working on for the rest of our lives. But if you put a lot of heavy lifting into it, you can improve your emotional intelligence quickly every relationship in your life is going to be more fulfilling you know you're going to see more opportunities come your way because you're more open and thank you very much for everything that you're doing and i hope you come back again yeah thank you guys appreciate it <laughs>